Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Season 6, Delaware, Book 3, Sunburn by Laura Littman. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Shredzerino. Shreds, I got once more. Three more Delaware oh, facts. Oh, good, yeah. I you want to do two now and save one for the end? I've been thinking about this all week, Delaware facts. So good. State song, Our Delaware. Okay, yeah. I was hoping that it was going to be like... uh uh I don't know. Are there um, famous? We looked up TV shows from Delaware. Yeah. Are there famous musical artists from Delaware? I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm not sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there must be. There must be. There's there's got to be people from everywhere, right? Like, yeah, like a big Delaware band. George Thorogood. Ah, uh, the worst. I hate him. I don't know any of the other like, ones. Read some of them. Stephen Marley. Okay. Son of Bob Marley. Clifford Brown, Jimmy Allen, country singer. Yeah. John Gallagher Jr., the Broadway singer. Okay, yeah, I, I like John Gallagher Jr. Travis Green, gospel singer. Uh-huh. George Thorogood, as mentioned. Chuck Wicks, a country singer and songwriter. Cisco Houston. It's like Cisco? Like thong song Cisco? No, this guy is born in 1918. He's a folk singer. Okay, Matthew that's not, Ship. That's not Cisco. Jazz guy. Vinnie Moore of the band UFO. Uh, okay. Will Sheridan, former basketball player at Villanova, now hip hop artist. Okay. Dorothy Rudd Moore, a composer born in 1940, and Norman Hutchins, born in North Carolina but became a licensed minister in Delaware at age 12. So literally nobody. The only one out of that entire list that I recognize was George Thorogood, whom I detest. Bad to the bone. Yeah, that guy sucks. So it makes sense then that the official song Our Delaware is a poem called Our Delaware sung in three verses in honor of each county of the state written by George B. Hinson, a fourth verse in praise of the state. Wait, does Delaware only have three counties? I was just thinking that. That seems like not a lot. How small, small, state, how small is Delaware? It's second smallest. 1,900 square miles or something yeah, like that? second smallest. A fourth verse in praise of the state and pledging the loyalties of its citizens written by Don Devine was added. That's number one. Very underwhelming. The state star is in Ursa Major, the Delaware Diamond. Delaware Diamond. I didn't even know there were state stars. Delaware's website is kind of cool. I haven't checked there since before the first episode. That's where all this is from. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to save the third fact for the end, but it's about animals. It's the good one. It's the good fact. You're saving the good fact for the end. There were none of the, none of these nine facts were good facts. This is the the best of the three because those first two stunk. Mm -hmm. Sunburned by Laura Lippman. Firmly Delaware, once again. Yeah, it's more even more Delaware than on Americans. There's two out of three ain't bad though. Good job with this. Yeah, is um I didn't look it up. Belleville, is that a real place? Is Belleville, Delaware a real place? Because we got a Belleville in New Jersey, baby. If you Google Belleville, Delaware, the first thing that comes up is an interview with Laura Littman. Okay. So I would assume it yeah, is not, not, a, real. not a real. But Rehoboth Beach is is a real place. And uh, uh she mentions Newark. Yeah. In in the book. So I think Newark, Delaware is a real place as well. So I think so here's here's a thing that I found that was very because you talked we talked last time in the book of Unknown Americans about what makes it Delaware, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this book's defining trait of what makes it Delaware or what like how how she defines Delaware, like what's Delaware about Delaware is that it's close to other stuff. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. We're close to Buffalo. Or we're close to Baltimore. We're close yeah, yeah. to Pittsburgh, sort of. We can, like, get here in a little bit. Like, there's all these, like, well, we're near here. We're near the water. We're near yeah, D.C. Yeah. We're near Baltimore. But, like, the actual identity of 
Delaware is absent. Yeah, it felt to me like uh, like Laura Lipman is a she's a Baltimore person. Yes, and that, married to another Baltimore person, and, and and that's like a confirmed like all, most of her books take place in Baltimore, etc. So like the same way that like when you read from a Buick Eight and it takes place in Pennsylvania, you're like, whoa, Steve King, Stephen King's going rogue. He's he's no longer in Maine for this one. Guys, going off the off the map. I feel like to a certain extent, you know, we are two guys from New Jersey as firmly established on this podcast, but I feel like to a certain extent, New Jersey's personality kind of is that we're near other stuff. We're near the water. We're near New York. We're near Philadelphia. We're near the mountains, but like New Jersey, but I still feel like New Jersey is much more of a culture than these books have depicted Delaware. It it feels that way. Um, You know, Belleville as a, uh, it reminded me a lot of the Atlantic Highlands, the way, the way that she was describing it. Um, like this sort of beach town that is, uh, you know, gets crowded and 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 uh, businesses survive based on the summer. But like, it felt very also like the the Rundy book, which took place yes, in New Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. just like this is like a very specific local kind of reference. Yeah. So I think that there's, uh, you know, I, I think there's probably a solidarity to all beach towns that are north of maybe. North Carolina, I, th- I think. I think the, the 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 beach atmosphere changes when you get to a certain southern point because it com- becomes much more Jimmy Buffett. Well, I also think maybe that part of it is that like below South or below North Carolina, or whatever, like beaches are almost always warm year round. Eh, you can't go swimming at like Myrtle Beach and mm, maybe not. I mean, it's only yeah. But I do like there is something I think when you get to Florida, maybe I think there's something about like the regional, like the beach where just like in the winter, this is a different place in the summer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what is Sunburn a novel about? I don't know, man. I mean, part of the stuff that we talked about a little bit was that like this novel is a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's heart. I guess it's like a. Crime novel, romance, uh, sort of like a James M. Cain insurance thriller morph. Um, I'm sure if you asked her, uh, she would talk about James M. Cain. I think that I think that. What would I know of James M. Cain? Uh, uh, the postman always rings twice. Oh, okay, double okay. indemnity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he like a lot of like kind of legalistic thrillers that, that are, are like about murder, but they're also about like the paperwork of murder and trying to figure out like who gets what when people die and how can you, you know, pick up this life insurance check. Mm-hmm. Cause I was looking up Laura Lippman on wiki and she's written say 30 or 40, like she's written a bunch of books yeah, and like half of those seemingly are part of a detective series, the Seuss Need story, who's a character in this for about 10 pages. Yeah. But I, is, I wonder if it's like that all, all like all of her books are like Sue Sneed shows up and is like, it's like I got a couple questions for you. The and then, then it's gone universe or something. Yeah, and she's just gone because like it is it feels like it it's sort of I don't know if it wants to be a detective story, but like that's like maybe what she's like what she likes writing the best or what she's best at writing. And so when there's not really a detective story, she like tries to she's like crafting a mystery out of a thing that's also. A romance. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that because it's like it it is in some ways a detective story it tries to hit you with twists and turns but the twists and turns that it does hit you with are not like they're almost not plot twists it's like an emotional twist 
Like, by the time we get to the end, it's like, surprise, she's not shitty. She's actually, like, a good mom. Yeah. Like, that's the the, the big twist is that she's, like, a, a quality mother. When the right. whole time we're thinking she's a terrible mother. So I think, though, the thing that was frustrating to me about this is that, like, it's never explicitly clear who knows what about who, uh-huh. if that matters, and why they're saving like it feels like we're not being told as the reader just to draw out our suspense even when characters know things that they've done or they know things about other characters that they haven't like said out loud yet we're in the dark because it's building suspense and it's frustrating and it felt like to me part of because i like this book on average um but it felt like to me for a while i was like what is the point of this is the point of this like a relationship can't survive if built on lies or it can survive if built on lies if it's true love like i wasn't sure if there was a point and i don't know that either of those is actually i don't know if there is a point but i was trying to figure out like is is there like a a lesson she's trying to impart and i I don't know if there is it might just be like a fun beachy kind of read yes (laughs) to to all of that um it never for me like uh uh, partially because of what you're saying, I think you articulated something that I was thinking, but didn't quite know how to say about about the um, uh, us not knowing what the characters know, mm-hmm. and like there's no point of view character here. Right. It feels like um, the point of view character should be either Polly or Adam, one or the other. Right. And we go back and forth between them, but in going back and forth between them. Like, to me, the value of having one point of view character is that you're in the dark about what the other characters right. think. And then the value of having two point of view characters is that you're not in the dark, but they're in the dark. Right. And, 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 and like, this book tries to do that in, in – it tries to have both ways, right? It tries to give you two point of view characters but also leave you in the dark and you're just like – the result is you going like, does anybody fucking know anything? What is happening in this book? Right. Yeah. If you ask me to describe like what the plot was like, start like, I think it's very simple. And I think I would also like struggle my way through it because I kind of don't know. I, like, think, I think I could do it. What? So what is the actual like, because I think it's, I think it's simple. Yeah. What is the story of Polly and Adam and Polly's two and a half partners? Okay. Polly. While on vacation with her husband, Greg, yeah. and her daughter, Janie, mm-hmm. leaves Greg. Yes. And she- this, this is in 1995. And she runs away from Greg yeah. and lands herself in a town called Belleville, Delaware, where another fella, Adam, who was hired by a almost cartoonishly Jewish lawyer- <laughs> um, <laughs> Is he a lawyer? Or is he an insurance, insurance guy? He's an, he's an insurance guy. Yeah. Um, he's also a criminal. Yeah. Uh, is to 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 uh, befriend her husband and and figure out whether or not she had a secret stash of money that he believes that he's owed. But he was hired before she left Greg. He was hired before she left Greg. So w- what Adam has to do is befriend Polly in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. So he befriends Polly by falling in love with her mm-hmm. and Polly falls in love with him and they enter into this world where he's hiding that he's a private detective that's been hired to uh, to find her, and she's hiding 
various things about her past, including that she killed her husband mm-hmm. um, and collected a massive insurance check after uh, – not not her husband's life insurance, which was directed uh, to – Janie. Janie, her, her – no, not Janie. Oh, um, the, first, the first daughter. Joy. Joy. Uh, a child that was um, – delivered poorly by the doctors and like how uh, which is one of the ways that people get cerebral palsy is that the doctors mishandle um delivery mm-hmm. uh they like pinch the skull or something when it comes out and it damages the brain tissue um which is what happened to her and and so she ends up with a uh fairly severely disabled daughter and she sues the hospital and the hospital gives her a check for three million dollars which we don't know until much later in the much book. later in the book we think that the one windfall of money is not hers because it goes to her daughter's care yeah so adam during this time believes that she's broke because mm-hmm. she's not spending any of that money uh but she is doing mysterious things like driving to baltimore to visit her daughter and uh other sort of stuff some of which were, were never filled in on what she's no. actually doing and like adam knows that she murdered her first husband mm-hmm. but seemingly doesn't know that she's got a daughter that she's visiting Right. But when he reports back on her whereabouts, the shady, cartoonishly Jewish insurance guy knows what she's up to. Yeah. Continue. And so it becomes this this uh, struggle of uh, between Adam and Polly um, over like who knows what, when, and they love each other, but like will their love survive all this deception? Mm-hmm. In the meantime, her husband that she just recently left, Greg, who's like, what's his big crime? Is he like just annoying? Um, like, why does she want to leave him so badly? He's not abusive or anything, right? He's just boring. He's right? just boring. Like they, she never was in love with him. Oh, she just she got had pregnant. The, she had yeah. the kid with him very right, early, right, and right. she felt trapped into this life, and she hates his mom. And then he like kind of hunts her down and has a gun and is like very threatening. And you learn that he's like kind of this, but he's also he also kind of seems like a cuck, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. And 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 like him hunting her down with the gun and stuff is sort of uh, reminiscent of her ex husband Dit Mars, who was abusive to toward her, and was also part of an insurance scheme with this Irving Lowenstein, the, the insurance guy, um, who where, hires Adam where they would like burn down houses or they would like take out insurance, life insurance policies on people who were like living in high risk situations and would end up dying and they would, and then they would cash out on the insurance policies. Um, so she eventually kills that abusive husband to get away from him and goes to prison uh, this is all happening way in the past. Yeah, we don't see it. We all we only hear about. We only find yeah. out about this. Basically, most of the interesting stuff that happens in this book is is happening off page. Yeah, um, it's already happened. She only tells us about it later. It's like, oh yeah, also like the really dramatic part of my life. We're not gonna we're not gonna read about. Really, her sentence was commuted because a senator or whoever was our governor was like leaving office and wanted to like show leniency on women who were maybe wrongly imprisoned. And they overlooked the details of her case, and so they let her out after three years instead of like her life sentence or whatever. Yeah. So, and that's basically the the plot. Ultimately, at the end, uh, the husband catches up just as Adam has figured out that um, he does love her. He does love her, but also he thinks that she killed this woman, Kath, who she did kill this woman, Kath, who was seeking to expose her, blackmail her, 
etc. Um, but she wasn't trying to kill Kath. She wasn't trying to kill Kath. Kath like attacked her and then she like busted the, Kath's the, head open. The same way that Irving didn't actually mean to kill the people he killed who, when he eventually goes to prison for that. Yeah, it's in some ways a, a uh, comedy of errors. Mm-hmm. Um, all of which amounts to, uh, at the end, Greg, the ex-husband, shoots Adam, the current guy that's in love with her, and Adam dies. And then we jump ahead to 2017, uh, at which point she is like lovingly caring for her two daughters, free from all of the shitty men in her life. And we find and, that Greg was executed for having killed <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, so what do you get from all this? I, I mean, it, it's like, it's, you know, it to me, it's doing a thing that is, it's genre fiction, right? Yeah. And, and and like the, the, like, academic distinction between genre fiction and literary fiction is that literary fiction is focused on character and idea, like theme, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and genre fiction is focused on plot. Yeah. And I don't see much more going on in this book outside of plot. Does that feel accurate yeah. to you? Okay. But it's also frustrating plot as we talked about because like we're missing pieces that the characters are not missing they're just not telling us yeah so there's not a mystery that any of them are really unsolving the, the greatest mystery here and i'm saying this this way to sort of sound corny on purpose is the mystery of love uh-huh like yeah can i love a woman uh-huh. who maybe murdered two people yeah yeah i can yeah this is what i wrote in my book which i have to i have to return to the library and it's gonna annoy everybody but i took like a like a red finger paint and i just wrote mystery of love on the inside <laughs> on the inside of the book obscuring many pages you know what i was the most shocking thing to me in this book uh-huh. how not horny it is in spite of it being like a um in spite of it being a book that has quite a bit of sex in it there is there are multiple scenes where they just talk about how Polly is just like sitting nude somewhere uh-huh. and it's the most asexual or that she's like a beastly fuck. Like yeah. she's, she's like biting and, and, mm-hmm. and like, uh, like she has sex with Irving Lowenstein, but she's like, it's sad and pathetic. And then, but like this other guy really does it for me. There's one moment toward the end where she's sitting nude. Cause she like, she like, the, she likes to wake up and just sit in the kitchen nude and just read the newspaper yeah. until she gets tired of being around Adam. And she goes out and does that not naked, but like, you know, she reads the newspaper elsewhere. But there's one part where she's in the kitchen nude and like Littman writes about how he like bends down and puts his head like in her stomach and just like cradles his head there and just like, oh, he's going to go down. Oh, he's not going to go down. It just, yeah. he's just like nestling, nurturing. I'm just like, this is so weird. Yeah. Because it's like there was, I think it was in the old timey. I don't remember where this came up. In a very early Nicolas Cage movie, like it was referencing something. I think it's racing with the moon. They talk about how an old, or maybe, no, no, sorry. It doesn't matter where it's from. But they said like in old timey books that like weren't allowed to be lewd, they would quadruple space so that like your mind would fill in the gaps. And so that's basically that's what she's doing here. Yeah. She just like, you know, takes off the clothes that go to the bed, end of chapter. It's like, no, I want to like, let's get horny. Like, let's do this. But because mm-hmm. it seems like. She, this woman Polly is like the most beautiful woman and everyone's just kind of like she's not that hot but they're also like she's so hot and it feels like she wants to write a horny book and just like yeah either intentionally or unintentionally just is not well this is sort of my like one issue with with this book for me is that it seems like it's trying to be like a crime thriller but it doesn't really have that kind of clockwork plotting that a crime thriller mm-hmm. needs 
Uh, it's it's a love story, but it doesn't like elevate to the melodramatic levels that a love story could be. It's like kind of a horny book without sex or, or a, a book with sex that's not horny. Um, and it, it it's like it lacks like the atmospheric thrills of a Raymond Chandler style uh, story. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it feels like to me it's it's like not quite getting there on all of those levels. I do think I think it's written in a way that is compelling. Like I, I it was easy to read. It's a page turner. And I think that like it's good enough that I'm sure there is at least one of her other books that I would probably really, well, really enjoy. Well, so I, I think I think what it is, and and like no shade to this genre, it's just not my genre. Right. Is that it's like it's like kind of like a cozy mystery beach read. Right. Which is fine. It's fine. It's it's like it's not my thing, but like there is like, you know, it's not violent enough to mm-hmm. be to be disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um it it has like a you you walk away feeling very satisfied in right. that it's like the wronged woman like does away with all of the toxic men in her life and and she ends up being a good mother so yep. like the people that you want to be safe end up being safe the one person that gets sacrificed is adam but that's kind of okay because number 1 uh he's he's like a duplicitous man but also like his sacrifice came in the name of love yep. so so we like are willing to accept that sacrifice especially because it means that Polly gets to survive and raise her two mm-hmm. children um and which which like also neatly gets Greg executed yeah um <laughs> i wish that they had gotten aboard i i wish it had been like uh Greg was executed uh because Delaware newly um, reintroduce the guillotine. So this is my least favorite part of the book that like maybe 10 times she says something about like people were talking about OJ or like, yeah, she was wearing a yellow plaid dress like that girl in that movie that just came out war, like referencing clueless, which came out in 1995 right. over and over again. She's well, just like, she's, it, Hey, it, remember it's 1995. It's like, yeah, we know. It, no, it feels very much like Stephen King. Like she, she's writing in a similar way to Stephen. Does he King. do that too? Yeah, and but he also does things like there's that very weird chapter where um, he goes to the video store and like that chapter is introduced by like introducing the video store clerk and giving us background on his nickname yeah. and like what it's like to be in that. And, and, and that's like Stephen King does that to build atmosphere and to build like to make you really feel like you're living in a town. And it, that's part of the reason why Stephen King books, even books that are about dogs trapping people inside cars Mm -hmm. a book that could be 20 pages long is like 400 pages because yeah he like fills in that world with all of those like each character is like we got to make sure that we know what brand of cigarette that character smokes and also that he listened to like he's hearing a song on the radio that he heard for the first time when he was dating this girl in 1958 do you like that or do you not like that or or is it just it depends on how it's done it depends 100 depends on how it's done and like stephen king is I'm sure other authors do it. I'm sure other authors did it before Stephen King, but like it feels like a thing that Stephen King is the forerunner into me. Okay, because because like that's the way that I is introduced, to, and I like Stephen King's fiction quite a bit. Um, so like when I see someone else doing it, it's I, it's something that's always going to get compared to Stephen King. Right, and this book does it, but it only does it like we know more about that guy than we know about Max and Ernest, who are guys that are sitting at the bar every single day. We know more about that guy than we know about. Um, but I also th- I feel like with Max and Ernest, 
there's like a thing and I don't I, maybe just well written like it still stands out like I finished this book like a week ago but it still stands out like there's one time that she writes about them that I think is like all you need to know she's like they have two topics it's politics or not and yeah, just yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. like yeah. I get who those people are yeah. they don't tip like I understand exactly like I don't think I don't want chapters in their perspective I don't want a chapter in the video clerk's perspective right. but I also don't need one in the Max and Ernest thing but it's a weird departure sure. then to go yes. into the video clerk's perspective. We never get one from Kath's, do we, or do we? No, nah, we do. We do because she goes to her uh, oh her sister's her house. sister's house. And then, yeah, but like if if this were a Stephen King book, you would get a hundred pages of that. Um, the brother, the, the brother, like, like doing, doing the investigations. Yeah. yeah, but it the way it stands, he just flits in and out of the story, and until she gives him the bare bones of a plot to like go get Irving Lowenstein and get it. But like, if this were a Stephen King book, that would all be exploded. This would be a nine hundred page book. Like if what you I wrote it. what I loved was it the Outsider. What was that? What was the one that became the Bateman series? The Outsider. Yeah, like the first like a hundred pages of that are like police blotter and like you know did you read that book or mm-hmm. no yeah I read it. and i'm just like this is weird and cool like i don't uh-huh. know and then like it departs from that completely but like i yeah i like that about uh, it. I, stephen king's great man and I, I don't i don't mean to like uh i'm not denigrating laura Lippman by comparing her to stephen king it's just like some of the stuff that she she does is no, like, we both like stephen king like yeah th- this is like a reminder of that kind of sure. writing to me i just didn't like the whole like hey it's 1995. That's and then like, I think it was maybe Irving just like remembering a song his daughter listened to about 12 years ago. And just like, okay, so it came out in 1983. It's just like, it. we get it. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of the title? I like it. I, do you like the, I like the, I like the title. I think the title's good, fine, whatever. Uh, do you like the part one smoke, part two fire? No. I like the description of Polly as being sunburned. I do too. And like being fair skinned and like she should know better, but she doesn't like that gives a very good characterization, like the freckles and the mm-hmm. red hair and everything. Like I think that's I like the title. I think it's very evocative without like giving anything away. You really get this and it's like beach town, you know, you get the sense yeah. that you're you get the sense that you're entering into like beach noir territory. Um well, the there smoke was, and there, fire stuff I didn't care for. There was a moment some peek behind the curtain uh, where we were going to talk to Laura Lippman. So I was talking to her agent or someone for a while and she's like, you can talk to her, but you also have to cover her new book, Prom Mom, which I think is not a good title. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Like I like saying Prom Mom. I don't think it's a good title, but I like Sunburn yeah, yeah, as a yeah. title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we might still read Prom Mom at some point. Um, In our prom module. Yeah, I could do prom, a prom module. Mom jewel. Cat carry. Uh, Are there, there's gotta be a lot of prom books. Yeah, but prom books that we would be interested in is another, mm. is another like is another question. We could do, so so you so far our mar, our module is Laura Lippman and the writer that you compared Laura Lippman to. <laughs> Anything else to say? You want to read Egg's email? Yeah, read Egg's email. Maybe it'll introduce us to some more stuff to talk about. We have a lot. Uh, email address lottery at cageclub.me if you want to write in about this or any book, one we've covered or not, or we got coming up next week. Between this, we're going to announce our next module. Mm-hmm. which is very exciting super exciting and then there's a 10 book module and after that we got another state so get excited about that but we had another bonus episode like you know in off week but it's also i will say we already recorded it it's a long episode we got a guest and we're covering a book so it's not fair to you dear sweet listener that you don't know what we're talking about but tune back in a week anyway them's the breaks lottery at cage club.me meg's reaction to sunburn when i first started sunburn i didn't like it but it ended up growing on me I think the main reason was the book, effectively, I guess, employed genre slash noir cliches for the first part so we could circumvent them later on. Do you agree with that or no? Not exactly. I, I, I don't I, I don't think this is like 
Brechtian metafiction where it's like introducing cliches to remind us of artifice. And I, I don't think it's doing that. I think it's it, just, yeah, I think if it's introducing, introducing cliches, cliches they're, they're cliches. Egg writes, I did really love the sweater curse was used as a foreshadowing device. Do you know the sweater curse? No fucking clue. As per the wiki article on the sweater curse, it's either the sweater curse or the curse of the love sweater is a term used by knitters. Oh, I know this. Used by knitters to describe the belief that if a knitter gives a hand knit sweater to a significant other, it'll lead to the recipient breaking up with the knitter. In an alternative formulation, the relationship will end before the sweater is ever completed. Do you know about this or no? No. That like it takes so long to knit a sweater that like so many people, I don't know if this actually happens in real life or people just cover this in movies and books and stuff like that. But all these relationships end like someone's like, I'm going to I'm going to knit a sweater for him for Christmas. It's going to be six months. And then before Christmas, like they break up. So there's like the sweater. Or are murdered. Or, or are murdered. Uh, well, that yeah, the eggster is a, 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 a knitter. A knitting person. Yeah nerd i think she's making me a ski mask Ooh, that's cool yeah like spring breaker style pink i did i let her pick the color i don't know egg writes i thought it was a fun little trick especially since knitting is seen as more of a feminine hobby yeah you know i thought uh, i i agree um i thought that like something that bothered me a little bit early on was it felt like the book was trying to write in sort of this masculine voice where it was like she fucks and not only does she fuck but she bites and she'll bite you six ways to you know like it was Mm -hmm. this really like like an attempt at writing in like this like kind of noirish which is like typically masculine genre and like to me what was interesting about this book was that it was you know i think i just like exposed a little a little bit of my ignorance about because like i think honestly a lot of these kind of mystery books are written by women um like i i think if you go to the bookstore and look at the mystery section i think a large like percentage. sue grafton and stuff and these, are, these, these are just authors that i don't read so i so so maybe like i'm i'm exposing like a a little bit of ignorance on my part there but it felt it felt to me like she was trying to write a little bit in the voice of of some of the like tougher more masculine authors of noir like raymond chandler or um uh, James M. Cain mm-hmm. or something like that. But then at, then like, that's not what's interesting to me about this. The, like what would be, what's much more interesting to me about this is approaching these subjects and from a feminine point of view. Yeah. So, but it seems like that's out there. Just got to read. Yeah, for sure. Different books. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's on me. Egg says all in all, I don't have a lot to say about it, but I thought it was fine. Uh, yeah. That's how I feel too. If you want to email in lottery at cageclub.me, I will say on a broader scale, now that we finished Delaware, Fight Club doesn't take place in Delaware. We talked about that there. But I do think... It doesn't not take place in Delaware either, though. Mm, doesn't help. It doesn't prove the point I'm about to make or okay. attempt to make. I do think even though it is sort of disproved the point, like I think the last two books we covered established the culture and feel of Delaware. For sure. Yeah, yeah. In that it's kind of like a melting pot that doesn't really have a culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that like it was successful. Like I think I think in a weird way, this was more successful than Louisiana, maybe because like I feel like we're just like it kind of just feels like the South, like a lot of it. Remember, and yeah. this this feels like the Delaware ethos is why not? Well, it's also it's also um, interesting because all of the main characters in these books are people who are not from Delaware. Like Delaware mm-hmm. is not like, it's like there's no homegrown Delaware 
Delaware mm. is a place that people go to. But like also that counteracts my entire idea of Delaware because in my head, who would ever go to Delaware? Unless you want like tax haven, whatever. Well, yeah, but those people don't live in Delaware. They, right. They, they just have C-Corps yeah. there or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if there's a point to the state modules other than just to tell Sufjan to suck shit. We can do more than two. Yeah, there doesn't need to be a point to anything. But I think that like this, this was effective in like at least having the sense of like what, what, what's up with Delaware. For sure. Yeah. Are I we agree. gonna go there? Uh, I don't, we probably would have already if we were going to. Also, I know we we wanted to visit. Like, what the are we? States. Gonna, what are we gonna do? Yeah. I don't know. You wanted to know the last Delaware fact? Let's hear it. The state fish. Oh boy is the weak fish, W-E-A-K-F-I-S-H. This fish, also known as the sea trout, the gray trout, the yellow mouth, the yellow fin trout, Squeakatigue, and the tide runner. Squeakatigue, that's what I'd call it, Squeakatigue. The tide runner would be a good name for a book. S-Q-U-E-T-E-A-G-U-E, Squeakatigue, Squeakatigue, Squeakatigue. Tide runner is good, tide runner one word. Yeah, tide runner, that'd be a good name for a book. Weak fish, tide runner, keep reading. Uh, uh, today's crime is stealing an animal from the zoo. I bought me a truck in the middle of the night. It'll buy me a year if I play my cards right. Photo free exits from baby's bedside because they don't yet.